We are living in a time when the future seems to be dim, dull, blurred, and foggy. Authorities around the world are beginning to ease their coronavirus lockdown restrictions despite the warnings from medical experts and no concrete date as to when a vaccine will be available. The medical experts warn that we must be prepared for at least another 18 to 24 months of significant COVID-19 activity. Remember, the virus is very much around. Canada is still reporting on an average 100 deaths daily and close to 1,000 new cases on every day. U.S. is still reporting 1,000 deaths. Can you imagine 1,000 people leaving the face of this earth every single day in the United States? That's happening even today. U.S. is still reporting 1,000 deaths every day and 15,000 to 20,000 new cases being reported every day. The virus is still here. Epidemiologists in the United States, they cautioned that considering the extraordinary transmittable transmissibility of COVID-19, in order to reach a critical threshold of what is known as herd immunity, herd immunity to halt the pandemic is 60 to 70 percentage of the population may need to be immune to receive that herd immunity level so that the pandemic will completely die away. And you know what? This is going to take a long and long time, either by natural immunity or by people receiving vaccines. It's going to take a long time. Epidemiologists in the United States also laid out three possible scenarios. Now, I'm just laying the foundation for this message, for the message today. Epidemiologists in the United States, they laid three different scenarios on how U.S. will be affected. In fact, all the other nations will be affected in the coming months, in the coming years due to COVID-19. There are three different scenarios they talk about. Number one, either one of this can happen or, you know, or the mix of all these three can happen in the coming days. Peaks and valleys. Repetitive similar waves which occur consistently over one or two years. The wave of new infections, you know, gradually they diminish and die away in one or two years time. There is another scenario they talk about is fall peak. A larger wave of novel coronavirus is going to take place either during fall or the beginning of the winter of 2020 and 21, followed by one or more subsequent smaller waves in the year 2021. They also predict another pattern that's known as slow burn, you know, like sustained continuation of cases will be reported not as a clear waves but you know ongoing you know cases will be reported in the coming days with not a clear wave pattern so they predict in either one of this happen or the mix of this is going to happen in the coming days the future travel the grocery shopping education healthcare the functioning of libraries museums and parks the tourism industry, corporations and small businesses, the restaurants, 
the hotels and motels, the international trade and various private and public sectors, the future of everything looks dim and very dull. We cannot deny that. What healthcare protocols are going to become the norm of normal living in the future? We don't know yet. What is going to be the new normal and how long we are going to live in the new normal is unknown. Will we ever come back or get back to the old normal at all is in question. Certainly the future appears to be very vague and very foggy. And this morning I would like to title my sermon as Turn Your Fog Lights On. If you can say that with me, turn your fog lights on because the future is very dull and dim and for us to get into the future we need to really turn on our fog lights while driving through the foggy and misty conditions of road it is essential to turn on the fog lights in order to gain visibility in the road that is just ahead of us you know most of us would have driven in the, in the north american scenario you know we know you know we know we, ex we really we know where to know where, where to expect the fog even when we, you know, when we drive to, from uh, Halifax to uh, Moncton or Fredericton, we exactly know, you know which are the spots. You know, they are really they're, they're thick with fog. You know, we can't even see you know, the, the car that is ahead of us. Turning on the fog lights is for our safety and also is for the safety of others. You know, that's why when we are dealing with the foggy condition, often it is recommended that we have both friend fog light and the rear fog lights turned on. We need to really turn on the rear fog lights whenever it's really required. Friend fog lights, they really provide better view of the road in the fog. As they have been, you know, they, they really uh, shoot a wider beam so that, you know, we can uh, see the immediate road that is just in front of us. But the rear fog light, they make uh, our vehicle more visible for the drivers behind us driving in the fog. You know, uh, because these fog lights are brighter than, certainly brighter than the tail lights. So they will be clearly seen by the driver who is just following because of his for his safety as well as for our safety you know for him to know that there is a vehicle ahead of him and this morning god is calling the church god is calling you and me to turn on your fog lights as we already talked about the days ahead of us are going to be foggy and unclear it is essential for us to turn on our fog lights you may, you may be asking what is our fog light you know that, that's where I, i'm about to get in this morning we need to have a deeper vision to see the days that are ahead of us. Because we, we cannot treat those days the way we used to treat, you know, the month of February or January or December or the years before, the months before and the years before. No, 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 not at all. The days are going to be certainly different. And we need to have a deeper vision as we plunge into our future. The months and years and the decades, the decades that are ahead of us, that are yet to come, is more foggy. And after the coronavirus, you know, what is next? No one knows. As the fog lights really help us while driving, any child of God has two major responsibilities on the face of this earth. Number one, making sure that you have enough light in front of you so that you are able to move ahead. And number two, making sure that 
you shine enough light for others for their safety let me repeat that let me put it in other words number one making sure that you know this is what we will be talking about repeatedly just hold on just you know number one making sure that you have enough light ahead of you so that you know you can save your life and also you need to make sure that you shine enough light on others so that you can save them listen to me let me let me talk a little more clearly in little more detail this is to make sure that you have enough light in front of you so that you know the way to go to the eternal heaven and also it is to make sure that you can throw enough light on others so that you can lead them to the eternal heaven you can help them to escape the danger that is going to come I'm talking about the eternal hell the danger we need to turn on our fog lights we need to turn our fog lights on this morning we are going to take time to talk about these two different kinds of fog lights the friend fog light and the rear fog light let's get into the let's get into a time to talk about the friend fog light the friend fog light helps us to make sure we have enough that we have that we have enough light in front of us as we are moving ahead so we are really required to turn on our friend fog light so that we know what is ahead of us because we are driving in a thick fog and I want you to imagine if we don't have enough light in front of us we stumble listen to me we fall we don't have enough light in front of us we backslide if we don't have enough light in front of us we walk away from God we cannot fulfill his purpose on the face of this earth it is really required that we need to turn on the friend fog light if we don't have enough light the coming days are going to be a threat for our lives we will become easily tired we will lose heart you know we will lose heart as we face the foggy situation and foggy conditions of life it is important to make sure that you have enough life as we drive the vehicle of our life on the face of this earth and how do we make sure that we have enough light how do we make sure that we have light enough light in front of us i want you to imagine any light source maybe an electric light source or a gas or kerosene you know in any light source there are three different parts just want you know bring you down to the to the to the core to the earth now to the earth level down there are three different parts in any light source Maybe a, uh, a may, maybe a you know a, a filament a light, or maybe a light that burns in another kind of fuel. There are three different components. They help together for the light to show light. Number one, the fuel. Number two, the wick. Number three, a shade. Fuel, and a wick, and a shade. And I remember those days. You know these kind of lights I used until my fifth grade you know uh, I was studying using these kind of lights I remember those days you know this is the one big light lamp or uh, what we had in the house you know the rest of the uh, lights were much smaller you know which we can easily carry and you know this lamp we were not allowed to touch because it comes with a big glass over it and it's very little heavy but there are other small ones you know we can carry wherever we go and we need before we go to sleep we need to make sure that we need to turn this off right there is so much procedure you know to make this work and you know make, you need to clean and all those kind of things you know we'll talk about a little bit about little bit of those things so there are three different components that is required number one fuel number two wick number three a shade that protects 
Functioning of all these parts are essential for us to get enough life in front of us. Let's talk about the fuel. The fuel is nothing but or none other than the Holy Spirit. The fuel is none other than the Holy Spirit. I want to turn your attention to John chapter 7 verse 13 to 37 to 39. John chapter 7 verse 37 to 39. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, as we read the scripture, first thing that comes in my mind to tell you is, Jesus is not same as the Holy Spirit. Jesus is different. Holy Spirit is different. Father God is different. But together they all form one God, the triune God, whom we serve. You know, when we talk about all these things, there is a difference between salvation and there is a difference between in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, even though they are all together in conjunction, three of them, they work together in the mutual understanding in our lives. And this morning, I pray that God may open our eyes to see what the Spirit of God is teaching to the church this morning. And Jesus was telling, talking about the Spirit of God who was not yet given because Jesus was still on the face of this earth. And all that Jesus is saying is there is an abundant supply of the Holy Spirit. And we need to tap into this fuel. The fuel is none other than the Holy Spirit. And this morning, Spirit of God is calling you to tap into the power, tap into the presence, tap into the living being of the Holy Spirit. You know, it is possible that we can quench the Spirit. You know, it is like opening a tap. Anytime you can close the tap, because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul writes saying that, do not quench the Spirit. It is possible to totally shut down the Holy Spirit, and it is possible to do whatever you have been doing, you know, without even paying attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. You know, I know that, you know, some of our lives were, you know, into those kind of situations, but the Spirit of God, but Lord God stopped everything today, and He is trying to gain your attention and he is saying that do not quench the Holy Spirit. We can easily cut off this supply. The, this fuel is essential for us to move into the future. Holy Spirit, when I talk about Holy Spirit, I need to clarify this. Listen to me. Holy Spirit is not about speaking few words in tongues. This, that is the poorest understanding any child of God can have. Holy Spirit is not about just speaking in tongues alone. It may be an initial evidence or it may be an evidence that one person or a man or woman has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit as we see in the book of Acts. But Holy Spirit is not just that. You know, many times we limit the Spirit of God, you know, to think about, you know, it happens only when we speak in tongues. Holy Spirit is much more than that. Holy Spirit is not just a power. He is a person. Holy Spirit is like Jesus. He has a personality. He's a person. We can develop relationship with Holy Spirit. Do you know that? We can't even develop relationship with the power. Either the power will kill you or the power will totally destroy you. But you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit just only because Holy Spirit is just a person like Jesus. Developing relationship with the Holy Spirit is possible. He's the one who gives life. That's what the word of God says. 
He's the one who teaches us. He teaches us into all truth. He walks us into all truths. He leads us. There are times in our lives we need to take decisions. We need to move this side or that side. Holy Spirit leads us. He regenerates us. There are times we die. There are times we feel death within inside of us. There are times we feel you know, totally discouraged and disappointed. He needs to regenerate you. He needs to renew you. He's the one who empowers you. He's the one who comforts you. He's the one who produced the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he enables you to bear witnesses. He enables you to become, be witnesses until the end of the age. Holy Spirit does much more than what we just listed. Romans 8.26 Bible says, Paul writes saying that in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes from us through words, wordless groans. Spirit of God intercedes from within us, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Spirit of God enables us to pray. Why we need to receive the Holy Spirit baptism? Because there are times that you don't know what to pray for. You, are, you don't feel like, you know, there are times when I have seen people struggling to get words. There are times, you know, we, we, we try to coin words from here and there. And we try to present everything to the Lord in a very beautiful pattern. Now my problem here is, we have so much going on. How do we put everything in, in, in your language? Basically, you are in, and English is limiting your prayer. Have you ever noticed that? We are trying to pray in a language that is not familiar to us. Maybe even in your own language, you don't have enough words, you know, that you can bring what is happening inside of you. You don't have words. But what the Spirit of God says, say, does, He helps you. He groans from within you with words that even, even cannot be uttered. You need the Spirit of God's help to pray, to pour your heart in the presence of God. Pouring your heart into the presence of God. You know, remember Hannah? She came into the presence of God and she poured her heart. In the New Testament, you don't need to really beat on the breast. You don't need to really, you know, do anything else. You just need to speak. You need to just pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit Bible says, He intercedes from with, within us, even we don't need to know that. You know, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and when you pray to God, your mind is bypassed. You don't need to process everything through your mind to present to the God. You know, some of you, the, the way you pray, you take it in your mind and you try to understand what you are saying and then you present it to the God. You know, is that the way God is working? I don't think so. The Spirit of God really helps you to just pour. And you don't even need to say a word. You just sit in the presence of God. And hello, the Spirit of God to intercede. He's an intercessor. He's a mediator between you and Christ Jesus through Jesus to God. <clears throat> we talk about the fuel that is needed for us to move further. And fuel alone cannot produce light. If you light, lit the fuel... You know, it's all gone. Just one second. But we want continuous, you know, uh, continuous emission of light. And how that happens? It cannot happen without a filament. It cannot happen without a gas, a discharge that is happening in the gas. Or it cannot happen without a wick 
for us to understand it easily. The week represents your prayer life. Listen to me this morning. I'm not talking about praying for blessings. Again, there is a misconception here. The moment we think about prayer, you know, we are, what comes in our minds, you know, we need to go and ask God. This is number one, number two, number three, number four. Our prayer is done. For many of us, prayer is always asking. You know, there is nothing wrong. Jesus is asking us to ask. But that's not all, uh, that's not all about prayer. Prayer is much more than that. Think of a wick that is burning. The reason why I compare prayer life with wick is for this particular reason. Think of a wick that burns. A filament that gets heated up. Immediately we understand there is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. When we pray, there is a sacrifice. That's where we say it's a prayer altar. What happens at the altar? Sacrifice. Prayer altar is where the sacrifice is made. You know, this morning, God is repairing my prayer life and God wants to repair your prayer life too. I am with, I am with you in this struggle. I struggle to maintain my prayer life. It's your struggle too to maintain your prayer life. We are all together in this journey. But we need to know, Lord, what you are keeping us ahead of us. Lord, what, what is ahead of us? I need to know this. That's the reason we are talking about it. Prayer altar is where the sacrifice is made. Prayer is not just asking. Prayer is making sacrifice. Prayer altar, that's a place in our prayer room, in our knees, in our, when we pray, our commitment is renewed to the Lord. Not just receiving, asking for something. When we pray, our relationship with the Lord is built. When we pray, what is ahead of us is understood when we pray. When we pray, we are in tune with the Holy Spirit and He is the revealer of the secrets. He will tell you what is ahead of you. When we pray, our strength is renewed. When we pray in the prayer, battles are won during prayer. You know, prayer is much more than that. We, what we can think of. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm telling everything with the reference of the Word of God. I don't have the reference right away, but everything is from the Bible. Prayer is much more than that. Psalm 34 verse 5 says, They looked to him and were radiant. How do we get this light in front of us? We need to look unto him and their faces were not ashamed. How do we get this light? How do we get the radiant in front of us, in our faces, in our lives? We need to look unto him and only way to look unto him is through prayer. And Jesus is telling you, this morning Jesus is speaking to you. He wants you to build, come, he wants you to come back to your old, old prayer life. Now we all get carried away by many different things because we have become busy. We have so many other responsibilities to handle. But God is asking you, God is calling you to get back to your prayer life. For Jesus' prayer was communicating to, with, with his father. It was a time for him to strength, receive strength to face the challenges ahead of him. For the Pharisees, remember the prayer was a ritual. You know, if some of us pray ritually every day, you know, we need to just pray for the sake of praying. Or my mom is going to ask, you know, if I, whether you prayed or not. Uh, you know, or somebody is going to ask. Then we are Pharisees. You know, don't just make prayer as a routine. It's important that we need to pray. And if one day, if you don't pray, then your head is not going to cut off. If you think that even if one day, if I may miss my prayer, you know, it's becoming your routine and you are becoming a Pharisee. If you understand me correctly. Don't make it that. Just make it as a practice. 
Let it be a practice in our lives. You know, let it be part of our lives. Prayer may not be become a ritual, but you know, for the, for the Pharisees, Pharisee it was a ritual, but for the tax collector, just throwing himself at the feet of God, that was prayer. For Elijah, prayer was to bring fire from heaven. For Elijah to shut down the heaven, that was a prayer for him. For the thief at the cross, prayer was a plea for salvation. You know, I don't have time to list everything. There is so much prayer means. And this morning God is calling you to repair, to trim the wick that is already burnt and burnt and it cannot emit light anymore. God is asking you to trim the wick and put it in the right place and soak the, trim, the, 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 the wick in the fuel of the Holy Spirit. Then we will start burning. What does really prayer mean to us this morning? Prayer, as I said, it's much more than asking. I want you to think. I want you to think along with me. Just don't listen. Just think. Prayer is the wick that burns. If you have fuel and filament, listen to me, I need to just rush fast now. If we have fuel and filament, Holy Spirit and prayer alone, it's not enough. You know, this is very important. If we have only fuel and filament, or only fuel and the wick, only Holy Spirit and prayer alone, it's not enough. Listen to me, you will be discouraged very soon. If you think that you can manage with Holy Spirit, and with the prayer, you will get very discouraged very, very soon. But more than that, you will soon start talking to another spirit instead of Holy Spirit. Because we are still in our flesh. You will start listening to other voices instead of Holy Spirit. If you think that you can manage with prayer and Holy Spirit because we are still on the flesh, in the flesh. You will start praying to another superpower instead of God. If you try to build your life only with prayer and only with the power of God, Spirit of God. You need to be protected by the shade. And the shade is nothing but the word of God. It's very important. It's very important. It's not enough you have fuel. It's not enough we have the wick. The shade is very important. We need to be protected. Shared is the word of God. It is important that our lives need to be protected by the shade, by, by the fenced by the word of God, so that we will be able to, you know, turn on our friend fog light and we will be able to move forward. Listening, reading and studying and applying the word of God is very important in our lives. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Bible says, I'm reading from NLT. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That is the intention of the word of God. You know, keeping this wrong thing in our lives, if you continue to pray, you know, you may think that you are work, operating in the Holy Spirit, but it is not. You are not. What is wrong in our lives? It corrects what corrects the word of God, corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. That's what exactly the word of God does. The shade that protects your life and my life. We need to be protected from sin. We need to be protected from the false teachings. In Psalm 119 verse 105, Psalmist says that your word is a lamp to my feet and your light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet. You know the word, without that word you cannot bring light. The word is very essential, very essential in our lives. It shows us the way that we need to walk. We need to turn on the fog lights. We talked about the friend fog light. Let's talk about quickly about the rear fog light. Rear fog light helps us to make sure 
we shine that we shine enough light for the other's safety for the other vehicles it is not enough you have the friend fog light and you are able to see the road that is ahead of you it is also important to make sure other driver is able to see your vehicle for his safety for the other driver's safety if your rear fog light is not on the person behind you may not see your vehicle and it can cause danger to both the vehicles one of the responsibilities god has given to us is to help others those who are running along with us in this journey you know there are many people they are trying to start but they are not able to start there are many people they don't even know about this journey that we are traveling they don't know there are many people they just came halfway through and they just you know they couldn't progress they couldn't continue in their journey and we it's our responsibility that we need to help others those who are running along with us as the days are going to be foggy and not in favor of an easy ride many people in the community they need to have you know they need to have life even during those foggy seasons the way you are living <coughs> excuse me <coughs> during this challenging time listen to me this carefully god is opening many opportunities for the church to expand their vision to see what is needed out there the growing restrictions in terms of public gathering tell us that god is opening opportunities for the church to focus on its original mission of reaching the lost god is bringing a shift in the way we have been doing church listen to me god is bringing a shift in the way we have been doing church within four walls god is shifting the focus of the church from growing in its size to serving the community by bleeding people to christ you know every word in this is important let me read this again god is bringing a shift in the way we have been doing church within four walls god is shifting the focus of the church from growing in its size to serve the community by leading people to christ not just serving the community not just distributing food not just distributing water bottles you know they are all important not to send their you know the old used cloths to somebody it's all important but that alone is not going to help you need to lead people to christ it's a greater responsibility we are talking about the rear fog light this has be this has to be done in the given time because time is limited time is limited jesus said in matthew chapter 5 verses 14 and 16 jesus said you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven they need to see your good work and they need to come to lord jesus christ to find the father they cannot glorify the father in heaven they don't know who is the father in heaven unless they are taken through lord jesus christ and that is what is salvation the rear fog light is going to work in two different ways number one it leads can you say that with me it leads the rear fog light the tail end fog light leads the vehicle that are following behind you in the right direction there is a greater responsibility for the church it's a responsibility of leading people to christ 
responsibility of leading people to Christ. I want to quote one example and move away quickly. In John chapter 4, Jesus opened up a conversation with the Samaritan woman. And he asked a couple of questions to her. And one question that he asked was, how many husbands you have? And she said, five husbands. And no, she, Jesus in fact told, you know, you bring your husband. And you know, Jesus revealed that you have five husbands and the one whom, with whom you are living now is not your husband. And the moment the Samaritan woman realized that, Bible says, she left her pot, the water pot, near the side of the well, and she ran into the city. John chapter 4 verse 28, we read this. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. You know, this is what is church. Church is nothing but the ministry that she's doing. The, 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 the proclamation of the Samaritan woman is what church is supposed to do. The reason, very reason why Jesus came to the face of this earth. You know, today we see a spiritual void in the community. Not all of them care about Jesus today. Not all of them care about eternity. But God wants us to turn on the tail fog, fog light so that we can lead them to Christ. God wants us to be a leader. God wants us to be a model. God wants us to be a role model for others to follow. You know, that's why Paul says, follow me the way I follow Christ. Follow me. You know, God is, this community is looking for such leaders, such examples. The tail light, fog light that leads people to Christ. God also, you know, wants us to bring people to Christ. Number two thing the tail uh, fog light does is it warns. Listen to me, with this I will close. It warns. The tail fog light, it sends warning signal to the driver, to the vehicle that is driving behind us, that there is a vehicle ahead of you. It sends warning signals. You need to drive close, uh, carefully. Don't go drive very close. There is a danger that is ahead of you. You know, church has to warn the people about the coming danger. You know, I'm not really talking about the danger of coronavirus or the danger of locusts devouring our crops, whatever it may be. Not, the, not even the danger of the natural disasters, but a danger that is going to come upon mankind. The danger that mankind is going to face that is eternal hell. And you and I are called to run with our tail light and tail, tail, tail fog light on, and so that we'll be able to send the warning signals about the coming danger, and so that you know we'll be able to lead them to Christ and show them the way to escape the danger. We are going to read two verses and we are close. We are going to close as Jesus was teaching the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew chapter 13. This is what Jesus said about the tares. Matthew chapter 13, verse 40. Therefore, and in fact, before that, he said, collect all the wheat into the barn. And now in 1340, therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, verse 42, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. God is telling, God is telling us, 
It is time that we need to come back to him. It is time that we need to lead people to Christ so that they will know how to escape to the coming wrath of God. As John writes the book of Revelation, you know, almost at the ending chapters, you know, this is what he says in book of Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 and 12. Revelation 22, verses 11 and 12. John says this, and before he ends the chapter, he says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And verse 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. You know, this is not time, this is not time yet. And when the time comes, you know, those who are living in their sinful things, you know, they cannot be saved. They will continue to let them continue to live. But now this is, there is a great opportunity for us to go and tell somebody that the day of the Lord is going to come. The danger is ahead of us. And this morning, God is asking the church, God is asking you and me that we need to turn on our fog lights as we close quickly. Just want to summarize and ask a couple of questions that may lead us into a time of prayer. We talked about our two major responsibilities. Number one, making sure that we have enough light for us to move ahead. And we have enough light to show others so that others can follow us and escape the danger. This morning I want to ask a couple of questions. And I want to ask the same questions to me too. What is the fuel level in your life? What is the level of the Holy Spirit in your life? Since how many days you prayed, really knowing, really feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's how many days you prayed in tongues, the prayer language that God has given to you. Where is that now? Is your wick burning? Is your prayer life still on? Or it is rusted? It is full of, uh, full, full, full of ashes? Or it is blackened? There is not no more giving light. God is asking you, is your life fenced and protected by the word of God? Are we leading others to Christ, to heaven? Are we warning people about the danger that is going to come on the face of this earth that is eternal fire? This morning, as we move further into the next phase of our life, it's going to be foggy, but God is speaking to you this morning to turn on both of your fog lights. So that you will be able to walk through the future until we reach eternity. And you will be able to lead others to the eternal heaven. Shall we close our eyes?